Let's ask God to help us with his word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have uh, your word, the word of the true and living God, the word which is true and sure. We pray now that you would help me to teach it clearly and truthfully, and we pray that through your spirit at work in our lives, we would know the work of your word in our hearts, helping us to trust Jesus and teaching, correcting, rebuking and training us so that we can live for him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, were you caught off guard some years ago by the vehemence of the new atheist denunciation of belief in the Christian God and troubled by the ready reception of their one-sided and prejudiced arguments? Were you unsettled by the attacks on Christians in public life who were seeking to uphold a biblical view of marriage in the lead-up to the vote on the marriage of same-sex couples? Have you been wounded at a family gathering by the anger and contempt expressed when you shared how you were investigating Christianity or that you had become a Christian? Are you grieved when you learn the suffering of Christians overseas, the active persecution they experience in countries like Iran or North Korea or Egypt or elsewhere? Hostility against Christians is a reality in this world, an experienced reality, we heard that even in our testimonies, an experienced reality, even if its intensity and expression varies from place to place and time to time. And it can be an unsettling reality, making us wonder as we encounter it whether we're right to persevere in following Jesus, right to call others to follow Jesus, right to bring up our children to be followers of Jesus, knowing that they will experience this hostility. <coughs> now Jesus knew his followers would encounter hostility, so in his final address to his first followers, given on the night before his death, he seeks, as Al said, to prepare them and those who would believe in him through their testimony to face this hostility. In John 15:18 to 16:4, he explains to us the origin of this hostility and how believers should respond. Because Jesus wants believers not just to be a loving and fruitful people, as we heard last week, but a persevering one. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Jesus speaks of the world hating himself and his followers. Uh, what's the world that he's speaking of? Well, word, the word uh, world has been used a lot in John and as we'll see, Jesus is not referring so much to the globe, the planet, when he uses the word world. Rather, he is speaking of the people inhabiting the planet, humanity, organised and interconnected, human society. Now, sometimes the reference in John to the world sounds positive. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Or, I am the light of the world. The world is loved. Jesus is the saviour of the world, the light of the world. But even those references suggest that the world has a problem. It needs saving. It is in darkness. 
Oh, chapter 3.16. Those who make up the world are perishing. Now, why is that? What is the cause of the world's need? Think of what else we have learned of the world as we've gone through John. John 1.10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. So the world is created, but it does not recognise its creator. John's referring to the conscious part of the world, to us humans who can and should know and respond to our creator. We should, but the world refuses to know its creator. So the world is humanity organised to resist the claims of the creator when he comes amongst them. And John 7.7, 7, Jesus says to his brothers, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. Again, the world, humanity considered in all its complex interactions, is determinedly doing evil, doing what God says is wrong. The world is humanity rebelling against its maker by doing what pleases itself, asserting our own rule and rejecting the Lord God's rule. And in chapter 12, 31 and 14, 30, we see that the world is ruled by the one called the prince of this world, that is, the devil. The world is humanity who has brought itself under the rule of that liar and murderer by rejecting God's truth, God's word, and believing the devil's ancient lie that we can be like God. And so the world is now characterised by, well, the character of its ruler, by lies and hatred, darkness and death. Determinedly rejecting and resisting its creator come amongst it, Jesus, the light and life of the world. This is the world we live in. The humanity all are part of by birth. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. That world will hate Jesus' followers because he has changed their relationship to the world by choosing them out of the world. Jesus' followers have become the other. Now, hate is a strong word, and it's always unsettling when you experience it. But hatred from the world is what those who respond to Jesus' call to follow him will experience. Think of a city whose citizens have decided to rebel against their ruler, their king. So they've stopped paying tax. They've tossed out his representatives and elected their own leaders. They've organised their resistance. And then the king, reasserting his rule over his realm, comes and lays siege to that city. His forces surround the city. But the inhabitants of the city believe they can succeed in resisting him, in getting him out of the way forever. Now imagine yourself in that city. And imagine this, one or two of you, five or ten, start going over to the king's side. Their defection says that your rebellion's not right and that your rebellion won't succeed. How will you respond? Well, on the rebel side, you will hate them. Hate them more than anyone else, won't you? Because they've betrayed the cause. 
sowed seeds of doubt amongst you. Where all humanity, all of Adam's children are in rebellion against God, where all are joined in saying that they want to take God's role, drive him out and rule their lives in his place, decide for themselves what is right and wrong. Well, we're all joined in saying they want nothing to do, God. Believers, those who have turned back to God by welcoming his son and trusting him, who have given up to rebellion to find peace with God, believers will be hated. Just by repenting and believing, we're saying that rebellion against God is not right. We're saying that God is our creator to whom we rightly owe praise, thanks and trust. And just by believing, we're saying rebellion is not justified. We're saying that God is not a liberty-denying tyrant the world claims him to be, but good and generous. Oh, and just by believing Jesus, we're saying the world's rebellion won't succeed that we cannot drive God out of his creation even when he appears in weakness. He will still be God and reign and we will always face his judgment. Now this is not a message the world wants to hear. It's denying the foundation on which the whole world has constructed its life. It's denying the foundation on which you if you are not trusting the true and living God, may have constructed your life. It's denying the lie of the world that we are happier and better without God. It is no wonder, is it, that the world hates believers in Jesus. And there's a second reason for the world's hatred. By believing, living by and sharing Jesus' message, Believers are now identified in the world's eyes with Jesus. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Followers of Jesus can't hope for a better relationship with the world than the one Jesus had. Can't hope to be more popular with the world than Jesus is if they are faithful to Jesus. Bringing the word of Jesus, the word Jesus commissioned and equipped the apostles to bring the Christian gospel, the world will respond to Jesus' followers as it has responded to Jesus. You see, the world hated Jesus' preaching of the rule, the kingdom, the reign of God. The world hated Jesus' insistence on bearing witness to the truth of God and the world's need, his revealing of its blindness, its ignorance of God, its need for new birth, that it doesn't have life in itself. Committed to its own independence from God, to confidence in its own insight and judgment, its conviction of its own righteousness, the world will also hate Jesus' followers bearing that same message. And that hatred of Jesus exposes the world's core problem. They do not know the Father who has sent the Son, Jesus, into the world. Or they might know the words about God. 
They might use religious language. They might have information about God, but they have no relationship with the living God. They don't know him. For true knowing is only experienced in a relationship of love, trust and obedience. The world does not know God. And what is at stake in the world's response to Jesus is the world's response to God, its creator. It's Jesus' coming that makes the world's sin clear and inexcusable. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and have hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Now Jesus is not saying in verses 22 and 24 that people didn't have other sins before he came. No, Jesus is saying that his coming makes their fundamental sin, that is, their willful refusal to acknowledge and honour their creator, the sin that is at the root of all their other sinning, all our other sinning, Jesus' coming, he says, makes that sin clear. How does he do that? By his words and works, which show that in dealing with Jesus, they and we are dealing with God. Jesus' words, he said, are the words of God. He is the one whom God has sent, who speaks the words of God. As he said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am the one that I claim to be, and I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. I didn't speak of my own accord, he said, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. Jesus' words are the words of the Father. Jesus speaks those words clearly. He speaks them in the midst of the world of human society. He has come amongst us. And so this word from God is not confused or remote. It's not in the language of heaven. No, it's in the language of Jesus' hearers. His words are understandable, so they have no excuse for not responding. But the world can't stomach them. The world would rather kill Jesus, as we've seen the Gospels, rather kill Jesus than listen to their creator. They would rather kill God than listen to God. <coughs> to hate Jesus is to hate the Father. Oh, and Jesus says that his works are the Father's works, unambiguously the works of God. The very works that the Father has given me to complete and which I'm doing testify that the Father has sent me. Don't believe me unless I do what my Father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father's in me and I'm in the Father. It's the Father living in me, he says, who is doing his work. Jesus claims that his works are the works of God. And this is actually what was clear and evident to all. Think of the works we've seen in John's Gospel. Feeding the 5,000, turning water into wine, bringing the blind man to see, raising dead Lazarus. This is 
the power of God displayed to multiply and transform, bring light and life. <coughs> in rejecting Jesus, his first hearers, and we today, if we're not believers, are rejecting the living God. That is the core issue for the world in relating to Jesus and relating to Jesus' gospel today. The world just doesn't want to surrender sovereignty, give up autonomy. It doesn't want to admit that its life has been based on a lie. It wants to believe it can fill God's shoes and run the universe by ourselves. And that may be you. You might not be trusting Jesus because you don't want to give up your autonomy. You might not be trusting Jesus because you don't want to admit your life is built on a lie. Or you might not be trusting Jesus because you want the world to keep on revolving around yourself. But Jesus' words and works say the world will fail. It cannot match his power or truth. It cannot stop him ruling. Oh, in its hatred the world has tried. It has killed the Son there on that cross. But the story doesn't end the world's way. It doesn't write the end of the story, does it? God has raised our Lord Jesus from the dead. He's actually used the world's hatred to expose the emptiness of its lies and Jesus rules. But the world is not content with just rebelling. It wants to claim that in our rebellion against God that we're right, we're justified in rebelling. Oh, it wants to claim that God is oppressive or harsh or aloof or indifferent and so we just had to take up arms against him, seize control, deny him. But Jesus' coming, Jesus' words and works show the world's rejection of God is baseless. It's hatred of God founded on lies. They hated me without a cause. See, what do we see in Jesus? In Jesus we see that God's rule is life-giving, wholeness-bringing, a source of generous abundance that meets our want. It is light in our darkness, the light that brings peace and safety. It's truth in our lies, a truth that can be relied on. It is love in our hate, patient, kind, forgiving. It's no wonder the world hates Jesus and his people who testify his truth by their trust in his word. Our rebellion against God, let's face it, is so costly bringing death and misery, violence and confusion. And we've justified it by claiming that God is a weak, immoral tyrant. But Jesus comes and he shows that that's a lie, that our rebellion is unjustified and doomed to fail. And the suffering by our persevering in rebellion is just so unnecessary. The world will always hate Jesus, people, those called out of the world and identify with Jesus and his message. For the world's very being is committed to its hatred of God, its creator, its embrace of death. 
But that doesn't need to be true of you. Jesus calls people out of the world and he continues to do that through the testimony of the Spirit and the Apostles. But when the Counselor, the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He will testify about me and you also must bear witness, must testify because you have been with me from the beginning. How does Jesus say his people should respond to the world's hatred? Well, it's with the love that receives and shares the witness of the Spirit and the apostles. See, the Lord does not leave the world's lies unchallenged. In its hatred against Jesus, the world will continue to slander him even after he's died and risen and returned to the Father. The world will keep on wanting to say that in crucifying Jesus, they've shown him to be a liar, failed, morally bad, a deceiver who can't deliver. It will continue to claim that the living God, the God who can make himself known in his Son, is not active in the world, that he's absent and distant. But Jesus sends into the world witnesses to his truth and triumph, the Spirit, about whom we'll hear more next week, that counsellor, that helper. The very coming of the Spirit says Jesus is the Son of God with power. The coming of the Spirit testifies that God has vindicated Jesus in a way only God can, raising him from the dead, exalting him to reign, giving him the Spirit of God to pour out on his people who believe his gospel. The coming of the Spirit itself, which happens again and again in history in the lives of his people, says Jesus speaks the truth and the world's claims are empty lies. And the apostles, those with him, our Lord Jesus, from the beginning, they are also to counter the slander of the world by their witness by speaking of what they've seen and heard in Jesus' ministry, by telling of the resurrection that they've witnessed, telling of their meetings with the risen Jesus, how they touched, saw, heard and ate with Jesus after he'd been raised, by declaring that the Jesus, the world unjustly condemned and killed, God has raised in the body in which they executed him and by proclaiming that Jesus is now the source of the new life of the Spirit, the new relationship with the living God as their Father, the relationship they now enjoy. <coughs> and we, followers of Jesus today, we are to respond to the world's hatred that we encounter by firstly receiving that testimony of the Spirit and the Apostles and then in love sharing it with the world because the world is still the world that the Father has loved by sending his Son into the world to give it life. So we are where the world tells us that God is not existent to say no, he has entered our world in his Son Jesus. Or where the world says his word is not true, no, we are to say, look, the Lord Jesus said he would die and rise and he did. And that's the test of truth. Oh, where the world says that our Lord is not good, where to say we found him to be gracious, forgiving and generous in love. 
someone who teaches us to be forgiving and to love to to love even our enemies. And where the world claims that our God is absent, we're to say he has sent his spirit to all who believe him and he is with us now as he has promised. Oh yes, and we're also to say to all what I say to you if you're not yet a believer, this living Lord Jesus will forgive you your rebellion and give you his spirit if you will turn and trust him, if you will believe the gospel of his crucified and risen son, Jesus. And I hope you hear that today if you're not a believer. You don't need to stay in the darkness of hatred and lies. Jesus came to call you out of the world and to know truth and love and life. And prepared by Jesus, believers are to persevere in bearing witness to Jesus, persevere in fruitfulness and love. I've said all these things to you, he says, to keep you from falling away, to keep you going. Oh, they will, these are the first followers, put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he's offering service to God. And they'll do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. You see, Jesus, he knows it is hard to be hated. And he knows that it's confusing for us when good people, religious people, those claiming to be acting on behalf of God, those to whom society gives the moral high ground, oppose and persecute sometimes violently his own followers. So Jesus has spoken here the night before he dies to help the apostles not to stumble in their following, not to fall away when they encounter that hatred. He has spoken to help us not to stumble, not to fall away when we encounter that hatred as we most certainly will if we are faithful to our Lord Jesus. Whether we encounter it in our workplace or our home or our tutorial or from the opinion setters in the media, we will encounter it. But Jesus has spoken to prepare us for it. Now think of the graciousness of our Lord. He is about to be cruelly killed, but he speaks so that we will persevere in trusting and testifying, persevere in truth and love as his followers, persevere to find life. See, Jesus wants us to remember when we encounter such opposition that its root cause, verse 3, is willful ignorance of the true God. Oh, and to remember that their opposition to the message of Jesus and his followers reveals the emptiness of their claim to be acting for God. We need to remember that. We need to remember you can't honour the Father without honouring the Son. You can't know the Father without knowing the Son. Those who oppose the gospel of Jesus know neither the Son nor the Father, whatever their title or position. And Jesus wants us to remember that he has warned us 
it will happen. You see, then we'll know that even in their opposition, it's Jesus' word they are fulfilling, that Jesus' word is true, that Jesus' word rules. Jesus prepares his people so that we will persevere as a fruitful people, abiding in him by trusting and doing his will, loving our enemies and praying for those who hate us, praying even for the world, that the Lord will call many out of the world by his word. Oh yes, praying like him for the world's forgiveness a prayer he prayed on the cross, even as he endured the world's hatred. And Jesus prepares his people so that we will persevere as a loving people, characterised by our love of Jesus' people, by our love of each other. When we encounter hatred, it's so easy, isn't it, to become fearful and withdrawn, to become suspicious even of other believers. But Jesus, as we've heard repeatedly in John 13 to 15 has called us to love one another, to keep caring for each other, to help each other in the face of the world's hatred, to visit, to provide, to encourage, so we persevere. Well, brothers and sisters, don't be surprised by the world's hatred when you meet it. Prepared by Jesus, persevere in testifying to the truth of Jesus in the face of the world's lies because that is love of Jesus and love of the world. But hatred, prepared or not, is always unsettling, isn't it? To face it, it always disturbs us, it always grieves us. And we might fear that we don't have the strength to face such hatred. Imagine how disturbing Jesus' talk must have been for the apostles on that night. They'd hoped for a kingdom. But Jesus spoke of his going away, of his death, of the opposition they would face. But Jesus ends that final address with these words. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We may not know our own strength but we know the strength of our Lord Jesus. He has overcome the world. The world's hatred in putting the Son of God to death was used by the God who raised the Son to life to show that the world's lies are empty once and for all, to show that its power to kill is never a match to his power to give life. Oh, and to show that the world's hatred can't prevent the Father loving the Son and giving him all things and the Son loving the Father and doing his will and cannot prevent and can never prevent the loving Father and Son catching up his followers into their own eternal love. Our Lord has overcome the world by being the Son. And years later the Apostle John tells us that our Lord shares that victory with all who trust him. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In Jesus, 
in persevering in trusting him is our peace as he shares his truth, his life, his love with his people called out of the world by his gospel, his people who trust him by believing his gospel. Persevere in that trust prepared by Jesus so that yours is his life in the place of the world's death, his truth in place of the world's lies and his love, the love from which nothing will ever separate us, not the world's hatred, not the death it brings, so that his love is yours forever in place of the world's hate. Be of good cheer, he says, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we pray in your mercy that taught by you we would not be surprised when we encounter the world's hatred. We pray that taught by you that we would see its origin in its ignorance of and hatred of you. And we pray, gracious Father, that we would respond as followers of our Lord Jesus, that we would keep on testifying to the truth even as he testified to the truth, that we would keep on loving even as he kept on loving and sought to bring people out of the world to life and that we would, in your mercy, keep on with that life of trusting obedience, knowing that our Lord Jesus rules and he has overcome the world and he shares that victory with us forever. Amen.